Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome, welcome to episode episode 16. Episode 16 of Rug Radio and NFTs Beyond the Floor. One moment while I just bring up some other speakers. Um, that's right. You heard me. Episode 16, following 15 incredible episodes, all now available as a collection of podcasts via Spotify and Apple Music. You can head over now, follow uh, the link in my um, uh, link tree, and you can jump up uh, and follow the podcast on various platforms, and you can listen back to uh, our all of our recent episodes, uh, we've started our comprehensive breakdown of Web3 progression as told by the builders, the artists and the founders with real intent. We delve deep into some of the most exciting projects in the space and bring you a show that moves away from the review of the markets and NFT gossip. Um, we really focus on the importance of storytelling in Web3 and the power of narrative to make a project unmissable. I open the series uh, every Monday and Thursday at the same time, 9am Pacific, 12 midday Eastern and 5pm in the UK. Um, I also do that with a panel of chums. Um, and today in my panel of chums, I have NFT Zerk. Hello, Zerk. How are you? Hello, Ben. How are you doing, mate? You're yeah, good? good, man. You Looking missed forward. my uh, intro music, which was a big, big oh, improvement no. on the elevator music. From my... Really? See, I, I've been trying to skip them from now on. You'll have to listen back, dude. Um, and also, be. Bex. Hey, Bex. Hey, Ben. How are you getting on? Very all good. well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm going to send my apologies up front. If I have to dart off, I'm waiting for a plumber to show ah. up to sort out a problem, which is so glamorous. That I know. That sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> if he shows up, I've told him not to come between five and six, but you know what happens. Yeah. They probably don't miss I know it. how it goes. So if that does happen, yeah, I will have to drop mm. out but uh, and send my apologies. But I'm really looking forward to today. So I'm really hoping he doesn't show up till Me six. Me too. But thanks <laughs> so much. Great for you to join us. Um, on Monday... We had a great session with Morton and Daniel from Crypto Walkers, uh, a project that I didn't know a great deal about beforehand. And I was hugely impressed by these guys. Like it was a legit project making things happen in like a third person play to earn shooty gamey kind of world. Not my world at all. But I really appreciated the way they were building out their project. Zerk, you are particularly kind of uh, uh, like a fan of this one, right? NFT Zerk. He's rugging. Well, he was a fan. He couldn't shut up about it, but there you are. He's a strong, strong but silent. <laughs> Today we are... Oh, actually, before I go on, that episode, despite me not recording it like an idiot, I did delve back into my uh, Twitter archive. I was able to retrieve the spaces i have added it as a podcast so if you missed it and you want to listen back you can do that now um today we're following up with another gaming based project building out a multiplayer role-playing game um 
we're very, very excited to learn more about the future of blockchain gaming. And I can think of no one better to speak to than Matthew from Big Time. Hello, Matthew. Hey, how's it going, Ben? Good to, good to chat with you again. Yeah, great to see you again. How have you been? How have the last couple of weeks been? It's been it's been good but busy. Um, on the big time front, we're continuing to kind of chug along, um, releasing some additional content and some updates to the game, ramping up for the economy reveal. And then within the big time studios universe, we've uh, we're getting ready to launch one of our bigger games here, one of our first partner games under Open Loot. Okay. Um, sales. So it's been good. Awesome. Well, we could talk about that a bit more in a moment. Quick admin format of these spaces is pretty open, honest conversation. Um, I have obviously our speakers uh, and I have you, our guest. And after the kind of 45 minute mark, we tend to invite people up from the audience to give a view or ask a question if they so wish. Um, before we get going, people, please do me the great honor of hitting that little arrow at the top of your page right now and retweeting this space. Let more people know that we are in here. And if you could also do so, head down to the little purple button, the little speech bubble button, uh, and Sir Screen has paved the way for you all. Please drop a comment in the chat. All helps a great deal for the algorithm of bringing people into our space and sharing all of this great content with people uh, throughout Web3 and beyond. So let's get moving. Um, questions, questions, questions. Best place to start. I always do the same thing, Matthew. Could you introduce yourself? Um, maybe a bit about your background, but also introduce us to Big Time. Introduce us to what's going on over within your project. I am Matt Thwaites. I am the guild manager with Big Time. And by virtue of that position, I tend to do a lot of our social media outreach. Big Time is a multiplayer RPG. The gameplay looks like a mixture between World of Warcraft and Diablo. You roam a large world. You can interact with other players on the server in that world and then drop into procedurally generated dungeons and then run those dungeons either solo or up to six people. And sometimes NFTs drop as loot while you're battling through completing quests or beating bosses in there. Okay. There's a lot of information there, and, uh, and you've, you've said it very succinctly. That's awesome. Like, let's, let's talk a little bit more then about it. So storytelling is a massive part of uh, this show. It's really kind of what we believe in. We have real conviction that, that projects that do a great job of storytelling are the ones that are going to make it. Uh, long term. What does storytelling and lore mean to your project? It means a ton. I think one of the distinguishing characteristics of a successful game is a compelling storyline that is immersive to users. And that storyline or engagement can come from other players, something like a PvP, or it can come from the environment. And we opted for the environment one, which is pretty complex from a content creation standpoint um, slightly less so with a balancing standpoint but ultimately if you don't have a compelling storyline people don't want to play the game they don't want to spend a ton of time in there so it's it's extremely important and probably the most important component of of making an immersive game i would say and so and so tell us a bit about the storyline then that you guys are running or the law like how how are you building up this game and and what is the uh, premise behind it 
I'll start with what the overall lore is and then talk about where we're at with it right now because we are in an alpha. The overall story is that the game is set in the distant future as time and space are collapsing. So all of humanity has been pushed to the last kind of safe remaining part of the universe and it's called Time's End. And the the bad guys of, of the universe is is big time itself that's the slang name for the evil corporation so you enter on the good side and because time is collapsing it has brought some historical characters together and then those good guys have to team up and take down the bad guys across a wide variety of different time periods and different worlds where we're at right now with it is we've unveiled one world it's called time's end and it's very much of a orientation and combat focus but ultimately, as we get to the global launch and beyond, we'll release more worlds, different themes, and different styles of gameplay. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, World's End. Is that what it's called? Time's End. Time's End. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Land's End. Uh, okay. So, Time's End. What's it like in Time's End? Tell me about it there. It, it's lovely in the summertime and, and a bit dreary in the wintertime. No, I'm <laughs> Um, now, I'm not really a gaming enthusiast, right? I've made no secret of that. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't absolutely recognize that it is a huge use case for NFTs, if not the biggest. Tell us a bit about the way you're building this game then, because ultimately this is an NFT project. You're building the game out there. You know, are you doing this? This thing with kind of like PFPs as avatars and then land and weapons and skins. Like how how is it working from a Web3 point of view? I would uh, I'm going to I'm going to say something a little controversial. I would say it's a game project first with NFTs as a part of it. And there where we do not have a PFP model. The main thing that we're doing is that the items or a good number of the items inside the game are NFTs or are on blockchain in some way. So generally speaking, I would say one of the biggest things that gamers are really missing out on in, in traditional video games or PC games is they don't own the things they find or use inside the game. They are somewhat siloed inside of that game. They exist in some sort of database. We, we know that MMO players especially really value the things that they use inside the game. So it made logical sense for us to put a bunch of those items on chain to make them NFTs. And so that's what we did. So the main thing we've started out with is the cosmetics. If you want to change your appearance or different styles of weapons, then those are NFTs in big time and you have ownership of them. You can exchange them on the marketplace. Eventually, you will be able to modify their appearance or change their rarity. And then shortly after that, you will be able to move them outside of the game as well. Okay, amazing. That That's really useful. Bex, you have a question? Yeah, I've got a kind of wider question just um, about the, the gaming industry and your view on how their reaction to NFTs and, and Web3. Uh, because uh, we've seen some big publishers be quite resistant to it. We've seen gamers over the last 18 months be quite resistant to this kind of combination of on-chain gaming, NFTs, Web3, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just wondering, uh, yeah, like I say, like what your view is on that kind of negativity around it and how you kind of go above that and convince people that actually this is 
this is the future for gaming. It's hard. There's there's two parts to your question. One is how do you change the mindset of the studios? And two is how do you change the mindset of the players? The former is a lot harder than the latter. I ultimately, I would say there's there's two reasons, in my opinion, of why the game studios have been reluctant to absorb blockchain. Number one is their users don't like it. So if they don't like it or they're concerned about losing customers by launching an NFT or a blockchain game, then they're, of course, going to be risk averse against that. The second thing is, is I don't think they know how to make money off of it. Um especially with how decentralized blockchain things can be. So there's an initial reluctance against that. I wish either one of those were original thoughts. They are not. I've actually been fortunate to learn a lot from some of the veteran gamers that we have at OpenLoot, including Warpark, who kind of shared some of that. And then I added my own kind of personal opinion on it. The second thing is, is how do you migrate kind of gamer behavior and, and what they're used to? Gamers are very very passionate about gaming. They care intensely about the experience and some of them have experienced negative use cases with how blockchain has worked. Bad rugs, um, thefts, uh, hacking events. Pick a negative experience. And so consequently, they're like, I don't like this because of these reasons. Whether or not those reasons are right or wrong, we can debate, but they're nonetheless their reasons. So we had to kind of build a blockchain game that, doesn't lead with blockchain that is a game first and we think that will help move gamer behavior to making it more absorbable in the future and more appealing to them thank you yeah i think actually what you're saying as well is it kind of applies to all of the builders in web3 no matter whether or not it's gaming or or, or another area of this space because essentially you're going to have the naysayers um you're going to say like there's there's been an article that's come out from reuters today saying nfts are dead you know because we're in a bear market and there's been a massive slump so i think it's kind of like the people who've got the long-term vision and who are seeing the bigger picture of this are the ones like yourself that are going to prosper and i think you know it's it's just about convincing the masses and, and providing the counter argument to what everyone else is saying um, in this kind of short-term situation that we're in. But it, that's fascinating. And thank you very much for answering my question. Of course, I would be interesting. It'd be interesting to pick up some of the articles that came out in 2017 or 2018 about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin after that bubble uh, popped and compare them to what they are currently saying about the, the state of the blockchain market. I imagine there are some strong parallels there. Um, and while not every use case that we've seen with NFTs or blockchain will that was success that were successful in 2021 will continue into the future, I think the the one that makes the most intuitive sense to me is the blockchain component. So I'm excited about what the potential is there in the future. And obviously, big time thinks we all believe that it's going to do a lot for gamers. I think that's um, that's a really really interesting point you make, and of course. A lot of use cases, in my opinion, are actually quite valid, but they're kind of let down by user experience. And that's something that I think kind of runs hand in hand with this. And and so if you then think my next question was actually to ask you a bit more about like the marketplaces, right? Because if if for the next 20 years, <laughs> we're going to have to endure MetaMask and bloody uh, OpenSea, then, you know, either they need to do something significant to change that user experience or, or uh, you know, we need uh, the projects to 
help develop the tech and bring people along to encourage onboarding. And so, yeah, what what has it been like? Because I understand that you guys operate a marketplace within the game. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. And so, how does that work? Give me an give me an idea of like what it's been like building a marketplace and what your experience is around that. And 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 are you working to actively make that a more intuitive process so that it doesn't come up against all of these things that drive us all crazy? Yes, our marketplace is very different. And there's a couple things that we did that we believe will be much more appealing to a traditional Web2 user. They fall into two categories. One, we included credit card transactions and bank deposits. And number two is a custodial wallet system. So if you go into the big time marketplace or if you want to transact and use it, all you got to do is sign up with a Google account which takes about 10 seconds, 15 seconds if your internet sucks, and then go away. I mean, you, I mean, fire away. You can own, you can transact, buy, sell, do whatever you want with your NFTs on there. Um, why? Because that's what people are used to using. Some, most people do not have MetaMask or wallets or deposit currency. And you go on to OpenSea and you're like, why do I have to spend two and a half hours setting up something? And what are all these words I got to do just to do my first purchase? This seems weird to me. Try to make something very easy, um, and so by starting with the with the user experience first and acknowledging we probably have to kind of meet the gamers where they're at as opposed to try to bring them to us if we want to onboard and really grow the size of the Web three gamer community. We need to build a user interface and a user experience they're used to using, and I think we did that. And a lot of other projects are doing something similar as well, where you start with how does the user operate. What do they like? What makes their life easier? And you have to change that system to meet their requirements. That's really interesting. And I think, you know, if, if I'm now thinking about, so within your game, obviously, there you have a marketplace and people essentially are coming to play the game. They're not in the kind of degen life of, of minting NFTs. And, you know, essentially, and you said this at the beginning, right? You've made a game for people to play. And then ownership of the things that they own or the things that they interact with is on chain. Uh, those things, are there kind of varying? So what am I trying to say here? The value of those things, is it um, led by the strength? Like, you know, are you able to uh, come across like, I don't know, a sword that is significantly better at killing a particular kind of baddie than another gun. And so that makes it a more expensive uh, NFT or um, is it kind of parity? It's more about what these things look like. God, I made myself sound old there. No, no, you 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 did it beautifully. Um, <laughs> no, he did not. You are lying. Don't be kind. He butchered it so badly. You know what I'm saying, right? Is it based on on the the traits, the like like how good? I don't. I genuinely don't know how to articulate this, and I'm really good at articulating stuff. You know what I meant, right, Matthew? Yes, I mean you have a British accent. You're going to immediately sound more articulate and smarter than everybody else in this audience, if for no other reason. Um, <laughs> it's all a ruse, I tell you. I told I, I told you this before. You can't just rely on your good looks to carry through carry you through the rest <laughs> of your life. Uh, okay, um, so so the question, yes. the, the question. Let me get it right. The question is, in your marketplace, 
is the price of things dictated by like how effective a particular NFT or a particular thing within your game is? Or are they kind of like level and it's all about vanity? It's about what you want to wear, what looks good, etc. It is the latter. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that is what we went for. It is a cosmetic appearance. Okay. And, and I can dive into why we went with that here in a little bit. But what you're talking about is a, a difference between cosmetics and a pay-to-win mechanic. So right. if if you want to have an NFT that gives you a competitive advantage inside of the game, many games do that. Many games do that. That's a well-established model. We opted to not do that in big time. But that's not a normative statement. That's just a part of that was we're aiming for a huge user base. But what you generally see is if, it, if an NFT can give you a competitive advantage inside the game, you don't want to give that, that, that NFT such a powerful ability that it cannot be overcome with either skill or experience. So almost think of it like an accelerator in many positive use cases of that. But we went for the cosmetic appearance only inside of Big Time. Okay. And why did you do that? I'm really curious. The general, the general reason for it is we, we know that people value their appearance and identity inside of games that they care about. The, the, the most common example is Fortnite. The, about 80% of their revenue just comes from cosmetics. Fortnite is... The biggest game in the world right now, I believe, by daily active users on on that's non-mobile. And they the it is a free-to-play game. The cosmetics inside of it do not give you a competitive advantage, it just allows you to change your looks. So we know that it can be very successful if the game is very good. Within the MMO genre of games, things like World of Warcraft, we know that users, about 50 to 60% of users buy cosmetics to change their appearance, to change their identity, to add things like emotes, even though it gives them no advantage. So we know that users value it as long as the game is good. And so that's what we tried to do inside of Big Time, replicate or improve on the gameplay we've seen be successful and then give more of that ownership capability to the gamers that we think they want. Great. Thank you. Crystal clear. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Um, okay, let's um, let's move away from that a little bit. Let's move over to kind of fundraising. I read some articles you kindly provided um, about like an incredible round of funding last May, I think. Um, I think like something like $21 million I read or something like that. Like, okay, so let's talk a little bit about how that has impacted the growth of the project positively the uh i guess when you look at the timeline of that the big time launched in april of 2020 that series a fundraising was about a year later and that was for 11 million and then shortly after that was the guild round which raised about another 10 million dollars and so that was a 21 million dollar raise um, about from about 12 to 18 months into the project that helped out a ton. And then it launched us into our primary sales in December and March. And then cumulatively, I think we've done about $110 million in NFT sales over the last about year or so. And so that has done, that has given us a ton of flexibility and runway for, 
for building out the rest of the rest of the game and then kind of giving us some security even though there's a bear market going on right now yeah and and so what's that been like like you know what what are you seeing in terms of um like number of users or and and also i'm really keen to understand like what stage you're at in this this build like is the game live or are you in like a a a beta kind of like you know inviting people to come up and do some testing for you where where are you at with it and and also what are you seeing how is this bear market impacting your progress we're in an alpha so it's actually before a beta so we invite people into the game right now with these passes they're called ruby passes and so you can play the game you can collect nfts you can engage in all of the capabilities of the game but there are bugs we acknowledge that it's not done yet we don't have all of the content done and about every two to four weeks thereabouts we have to do some sort of update to not just add more content but balance the game work some things out so the gamers who are playing the game are kind of aware like this is not a finished project. In about five months or so, Ballpark is when we expect to launch the game fully. And that's where anybody can download and play the game. Right? It will be a free-to-play game accessible to anybody um, who has a stable internet connection and a computer. Um, with regards to the bear market... It hasn't significantly developed, impacted the game, but the main thing it has done is increase some of that negative gamer sentiment towards blockchain. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for any blockchain game. You know, if you, if you listen to any blockchain game talk about who their ideal player is, they're going to reference some popular Web2 game equivalent. And they're going to be like, we want a Fortnite or a WoW player to start playing our game because we think they're going to like it. But then they try and reach out to them and those players are like, hey, you got blockchain in there? Heck no, I want nothing to do with that. So that's tough. And so that's why a lot of what we focus on is the game itself as opposed to the blockchain side of it. We really focus on this is an enjoyable game on its own. It doesn't need NFTs to, to function or to be enjoyable. Awesome. Thank you. Clemente, welcome, by the way. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, thank uh, you. Thank you. An awesome, awesome conversation so far. I am curious. I'm not too familiar with the, the fundraising and the, you know, what, what type of expenses go into developing a game and the timeline behind it. What I do know is Gabriel Landon Ladon of Digidaigaku ended up raising, I believe, $200 million um, over, I think it was... It was the last few months. I mean, that's kind of been the, the forefront, along with Castaways, has been kind of the, the big kind of idea. And, and what I've seen kind of populate social media and everything recently is kind of the front runners to take some of this gaming market share with the high upside. I am curious, so like the, the $20 million that you raised uh, last year, um, are you are you at a point to where you're, you're looking at fundraising again? Is that a priority? Like... I am curious how, what, kind of what the priority is right now. Is it gathering as much, get, gathering these alpha users? Is it putting the word out out there about what you're doing? Or is it, hey, let's just really focus on this experience and making this as good as possible and, and the users will trickle in over time? Um, with regards to the latter question, the, we are not, we're not going through raising right now. Um, we definitely have enough runway and we, we know the players playing inside the game and we're confident of where we're at that we don't believe we're going to have to fundraise again. And so 
the the main thing we're doing right now is is looking for players um, to play the game in a long term status, mm-hmm. and really that focus on getting players into the game will increase as we get closer to global launch. Right now, the the demand to get into the game vastly exceeds the supply that we can meet. So, right, like we're in an alpha, we can't put everybody in there. We don't have server capacity. There's not enough content to like satisfy everybody right now. So we're somewhat selective in who we can let into the game. Um, But that's the main thing is like building just consistent interest inside the game um, about the blockchain, about the crafting part of the economy. That's the focus right now. as we get closer to the launch of the game, it will shift much more towards acquiring players in more of a traditional marketing sense and then getting awareness and then converting some players from whatever game they're playing now into ours. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes makes total sense. And and uh, it, it almost the other side of me is like when, when you when I hear alpha, right, like the, the alpha stage is like, damn, like, how do I get that invite? How do I start using it? Um, which I'm sure is is a fun little marketing scheme of, of its own almost is like, Hey, you know, trying to get the right people in here and, and trying to see how that plays out. Um, I am, I am curious, like as, as far as, and hopefully Ben, you, you don't hope you don't mind. I mean, it might be a little bit off topic, but as far as like other side, for example, or, or possible other competitors that are kind of not necessarily in the metaverse space, but also just kind of the gaming side, have you tried other, like, have you taken a look at competitors and possibly tried out what they've built so far? And have you been impressed or has that possibly made you more excited about what you're building so far? Um, I mean, I mean, frequently, I, I, uh, I think the thing to keep in mind is there's a lot of room for other games to, to fill this space. And just cause we're launching a type of a game doesn't mean that it's necessarily pulling away players or views or something like that from another quality game. Honestly, my, my honest take is that I prefer better games and bigger games coming out with blockchain in them because it's going to help us all. And here's why. If you look at the, the pie of Web3 gamers right now, it's, forgive my, forgive my English here, it's freaking small. It's freaking small, especially when you look at it compared to a traditional game space. It's somewhere between, if you look at all the gamers, I would say less than 5%. Somewhere between 1% and 5% are Web3 gamers. The rest of them are, you know, not involved with blockchain. So we can, if we were to, like, be very antagonistic towards every other project that's out there right now, we're fighting over small numbers, a very finite and increasingly pissed off pool. So why not build collectively better games that, many people can see and be like, this is good. This is an enjoyable experience. And like, they may see the graphics and the team from one game be like, Hey, this looks really good, but it's not my style. Oh, okay. Well now I'm open to blockchain games and well, I'm going to try out big time or vice versa. That's what's important because unless there's a large body of enjoyable games out there, we're never going to get that large player population moving over into web three. But yeah, we watch a ton of projects. We do a lot of collaborations with them. Um, generally speaking, we think rising tide will float all ships. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do appreciate that. And I think it's, it's the same. I love that perspective. I think it's the same for NFTs in general, right? Like we can, sometimes I, I see a lot of people kind of tearing other projects down or all, doing all these different things. But at the end of the day, anything that drives more adoption and changes the narrative and just brings people into the space in general is, is a net positive. So I really do enjoy 
that uh that perspective sorry ben i'll stop i'll stop my blabbering and let you uh oh good Clemente. great questions and and i guess that leads me on to my next one then which is about onboarding and and it's funny how isn't it how we've all we've all adopted this term onboarding whereas uh in web 2 we always called it recruiting new customers i'm i'm curious to know uh where you are recruiting from or who who you are targeting to onboard there's there's a couple different types of player profiles i guess a i guess a foundational part of this question is going to be like how do i give out passes to players and there's a couple there's two ways basically you either get them from a big time person like myself, where I talk with you or perhaps your guild and I'm like, hey, you know, I want you guys to try out big time. We're an alpha, but I think you'd like it. Um, here are five passes or 10 passes. And then they can give them out to their users and they can try the game. The other way is we have a handful of trusted partners, for example, high quality guilds. I think we've, we've got one of them in, in this chat right now, big time warriors, where they play the game. They're good ambassadors of the game. And I think they get what we're trying to do. And they can actually give them out to their own community. They have the power to whitelist other players. So that's how, if you want to get access into the game, that's the way we do it. If you're looking for the archi- like the archetypal models of the ideal gamers, it's going to be, it's always going to be a traditional gamer who wants to play the game because it's fun. That's like who we want. That's the priority. That's like get a gamer who's here because they enjoy it. Not so much um you know people who are here to just like flip it or to go into the discord and you know talk shit or whatever that's not what we want the ideal person we want is is a true gamer awesome now i don't usually bring people up from the crowd but uh until the end but i know ryla and i know what ryla is working on also and so i'm gonna invite ryla to ask a question now because i think it will be very relevant Ryla, don't let me down. Hey, hey yeah, Ben, um, I just want to make sure there's no, like, the feedback's not too bad. If, if it's not too bad, then I'll ask my question. You're all good. Go for it. All right, great. Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, the first project that I heard about uh, before I got into NFTs, relatively new to NFTs, big time. And uh, I was I was very hyped on your project, and I tried to get um, one of your VIP passes to, um, to, uh, you know, to get to get access to the game, because I'm pretty sure that's the VIP and the Ruby passes were the individuals that that got access to it. But um, I was kind of curious about like uh, the the um, the the NFTs that you guys have. Um, actually, I'm sorry. Hold on. My, my dog is is being a bit rowdy right now. I, I, I apologize, Ben. Give me one second. No problem, Ryla. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. No, I'll keep you on as a speaker. Put your hand up if you want to speak again in a minute. All right. Um, I'm going to move on then to the next part, which is um, the team, like the team behind it. I'm sure there are founders. I'm sure you've then gone to recruit a shitload of really, really good game developers based on the budgets that you've been able to pull together. Can you give us a bit more information like about the team, about their experience and the games or the production companies that they're behind? Like wow us with some names and, and, and give us some uh, some confidence in the people that are building this out. So the founder of Big Time was the founder of Decentraland. There you go. 
There we go. <laughs> Boom. Buzzword number one, baby. We're in there. Hook. <laughs> got to reel them in now. <laughs> okay. Go um, for it. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's just good. I prefer this. Um, and then the, the the developers that we have that are fantastic. We're working on some pretty iconic games. Um, we had early developers of Fortnite, Gears of War, League of Legends, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That's those are generally the games that we kind of lead off with. But yeah, we had people who were early on developers or consistent developers with all those projects. And 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 how many people does the project now employ? Sorry, the game. How many people does the game now employ? Full time, I think we're probably around 65, 70, somewhere in there. Wow. Amazing. And that's and that's pre-launch as well. It's incredible. Like it's sometimes I kind of I uh hear what Clemente was saying a little bit earlier about like not knowing exactly how much goes into these and and we um we spoke to the guys from crypto walkers uh on monday afternoon and they were like you know a good game costs like 50 million dollars to make easily 50 million dollars so i'm just um it kind of blows me away then when i hear that you know we're employing 65 people and we've got people from all of those different backgrounds and stuff it must be a really really impressive place to work and also let's not forget that this has been kind of created during uh, like a pandemic and all of those different things, lots of different ways of working. Like how did, so you say it went kind of founded in 2020, right? You are correct. Yes. Okay. So that was in the swing of it really when, when the whole pandemic thing was happening, like what has that whole thing been like? Are, Are you all over the world? Is it mostly home working? Is there an HQ? Like, how, how generally is this thing put together? That's a good question. I I mean, it's we are completely remote. Um, the team is like totally, totally scattered. It's predominantly US and then some in Argentina as well. But the, there is no like building headquarters. That I think was a challenge in the beginning, as many industries had to deal with the pandemic. Um, of how do you best combine creative synergies without ever meeting somebody face-to-face? I, I have never met the, the CEO face-to-face. Um, and I know that's true of a lot of people in the in the company. And that's just by virtue of us being a remote tech company. Um, it's a, been a challenge, but there's obviously been upsides and you know ex, ex, exogenous to big time of like, how does that remote staff work um, in terms of like a better you know, creative life, work balance, all of that. Um, I think, uh, I think one of the things that's been interesting is like, how do you develop a a unique mindset to the game? It's, you can't just take something that's already been done and make small changes to it. You have to make something different And the time aspect of it. The time travel component of big time is helpful in that you can really significantly vary the gameplay um, in the worlds that you build, when you account for all of the different types of time travel you can have, forwards or backwards in time. So that's been interesting. Amazing. Rylar's back. Come on, buddy. I'm back, man. I'm back, baby. All right. So um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very curious about, like, so, so you know there's, like, the, the mythic and the epic and the different, like, uh, size plots. Each each player doesn't need to to own those plots to play the game, right? But what is the incentive or, or the benefit, uh, so, so to say, of, of owning those particular plots? And then what can you do with those plots over time? The main thing that you need 
the land for is to make cosmetics and to collect the token. So if you want to make stuff, if you want to make your own sword or armor or helmet or whatever it may be, you need space to do that. You need to be able to craft and the foundation for that is space. And if you want to collect the token, then you need space. Now, I think for people who don't play the game, kind of don't value that experience itself, it's somewhat counterintuitive to think like, well, why would you spend all this time making something that you can't use? And, or I guess that doesn't give you a competitive advantage inside the game. Like, don't you want to just level up as fast as possible? And that's where I point back to kind of the use case of the MMO games that we already know are out there that are very popular where a large number of people are, are buying those things because they care about their appearance. And then very similar to the way that NFT art works. Like, do you, do you care about the art and the image itself? Well, you could just screenshot any NFT that you want, but people buy them because they value that ownership of it. And that's the same level of, of ownership and, and identity that we try to use at big time. Awesome. Great question, Ryla. Thank you so much for that, buddy. Thank you for coming up. Um, Okay, look, I've got like a, a, a final question from my point of view. Obviously, I would invite, I'd ask the other speakers if they've got any other questions, raise your hand now. And guys from the audience, if you want to come up and ask, please request and I'll start bringing some people up. My, my question, and that's really just because I've been speaking to you, Matthew, and I can tell that you're really, really into this and you care about it a great deal. Tell me then a bit about... Um, what you think is coming up next in the NFT space? Like, how is this whole thing playing out and developing? And I'm really interested in asking you that. Sorry to cut across you before you even get to answer. But the reason I'm really curious to hear your answer about it is because you've been speaking about uh, what it means to develop the tools and the systems and the user experience in in the space. And so I'm really curious to know what you think is coming next in Web3 in the NFT space with that in mind? Let me let me speak myopically and talk about games first and then we talk about the rest of blockchain. Um, so when I think about where games will go next, I think over the next five years, I think blockchain will be in a majority of major games. The level of that blockchain, whether it's just a cryptocurrency, hey, you can deposit Bitcoin, or hey, everything in here is uniquely uniquely and verifiably scarce on a chain. I think it's going to be somewhere in the intermediate point, but I think every game is going to eventually move in that direction. Um, when I think about blockchain in general as really the foundation of Web3, I think there is going to be a, a tipping point, some positive case where almost every business has some sort of blockchain component to what they do. And there's many applications out there that are that are good. They are innovative, but not being widely used right now. But I think everybody's going to use it, and then it's going to be more widely accepted. And that sounds like a general term, but imagine if when you said like, hey, go ahead and send me some cryptocurrency over, over this medium or to pay for this, or like, hey, I'm going to use... This I need you to show, send me your NFT for this item to kind of prove this or to verify this, and that's a normal thing. That's not that's not uh, like off-putting to most people. I think is very important when it becomes kind of generally accepted. Then it's just going to really un- 
unleash the potential of what projects can do and maximizing their utility. Amazing. And I knew it would be worth asking you that question. I knew it. Okay. Uh, Frankie. Good. Well, it's afternoon for me. I appreciate you guys letting me up. Um, quick questions. So from what I understand, for, I, I just looked up the game. I'm actually at work and I looked up the game. Uh, very cool looking. So for the average player playing the game, um, you can get in with a pretty small footprint from what I can understand. And then if you want to advance or, or the advanced players are going to want to pick up a piece of land um, or uh, space. Is that, is that an accurate statement? You don't need it in order to advance, but I mean, the longer you play the game, it's you're going to find an NFT. It's going to drop. And generally, the higher level you are, the more people you're playing with, and the more likely it is you're going to find an NFT. So it, it brought, the trend you're seeing is right, but it's not a causality thing. It's, it's more of a like, hey, after you play for so long, you're going to find one of these things when it drops. I see. So the space and our NFTs... Um that you're finding on the, you know, your gameplay. Correct. They, they are one of the types of NFTs that you can find. Excellent. And then, so that means that the space will then expand, correct? Like the more people that play and find these uh, space NFTs, then their, the map, so to speak, will increase as they are found. I'm not. I'm not sure if I understand the question. So, like, are are you saying does the world get bigger the more space that you find? Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was trying to understand th that aspect of it. Okay. Okay. So, no the the space that you find is is not like a a patch of of dirt in the in the actual game. It's not something like I go run. Let's say you've got a space and I go running by. I can't see your space on the ground. What we have is it's almost like you have this thing called a pocket watch and you're like, boom, take me to my space. You kind of hit a button on your watch and you're transported into it. And it's this it's a non-localized land NFT. And so you, it's modular. Don't get me wrong. You can keep adding and growing it and making it bigger, but it's disconnected from the other ones. It's in your own personal universe. Now, you can invite people into it. You can change the appearance of it. You have a ton of customizable capabilities to it. But it doesn't like add to the world where the active gameplay and the combat is taking place, though. Perfect. Okay. So, like, it's a pocket dimension that you're able to expand um, for your own uses. Exactly. Exactly. Great stuff. Thank you, Frankie. Appreciate that. I'm just going to move on now. I've got uh, Aga Prime. Aga, Aga Prime. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Um, quick question. Um, as a, um, a content creator, I was curious, is there any restrictions on um, creating any content about it since the game is currently in alpha stage? Is there any things you would like to not have shown visible or anything to that? No, if you're playing the game, you can put whatever you want out there. Um, yeah, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty liberal about it. I mean, the easiest thing to do to verify anything is if you do want to make content um, about big time, feel free to to reach out to me. You can send me a DM on this account, and I can 
I can chat with you about it, but no, we don't put any restrictions on, on content creators and what they end up making. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if for ambassadors that are out there, we just, just ask like, Hey, don't, uh, don't talk too much smack about the game. Um, having said that, <laughs> right. many of our ambassadors are very open about their opinions. They're like, Hey, improve it this way. I think they should change these things. And there's a lively discussion about that. Okay, excellent. Hey, I'm looking forward. I think I'll be able to start playing today, so I'm looking forward. Awesome. Thank you. Great talk. I'm, um, I'm actually going to follow you back and uh, be good to catch up with you about some of that content sometimes. I think if you're uh, if you're working or you're, um, you're creating content around some of the people we're speaking to, it would be amazing to share some of those things immediately afterwards. So uh, thanks for coming up. Um, Ryla, go on then. You again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, so first of all, I just want to say that, um, you know, I, I tried saying it before, but you know, again, my dog likes to be rowdy, but I, I am a, a big fan of the game and its development so far. Um, I've been following you guys before, you know, people were doing like the kind of like the alpha testing, if you will. Um, but, and I've been gaming my whole life. So from a gaming perspective, I'm very bullish on just playing your game, which I think is really cool. Um, so that's like, you know, I just want to throw my support out for big time. Cause you know, I, I'm actually, uh, friends with, uh, uh, Thor on LinkedIn. And, you know, like I said, I've been following you guys for a long time. So super excited. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ryla. You've rugged and uh, perfect timing to do so. Guys, um, are there any other questions from the um, from the team or anyone like that? No. Uh, not really a question. I mean, I was a, a big World of Warcraft player for like probably eight years. Like the whole Zerk persona was born from that. So I'm super excited. When I first saw Big Time, I was like, oh, holy shit, this is going to be huge. Like, Gave me early WoW vibes, and uh, WoW is kind of like dead as a game right now. I think they've—you probably know the stats more than me, big time—but they've lost so much of their their user base and their players. They've just messed up so many times. I mean, do you have any insight there in terms of like, is there anyone that you're scared of or like worried about in terms of competition? Sorry if you've uh, you you already answered this. I had to dip out five minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, we kind of talked about it in terms of the competitors, but no, generally not. If if I had to broadly say the types of games I don't like, um, I do not like games that advertise themselves as some sort of infinite money machine. I I have a I have a problem with that, um, mostly because so many of them uh, have rugged users or have a non-playable game and they're just kind of offering these false promises and that the, the the sheer volume of negative cases of those has driven away many players and uh i don't like those um so if, basically i'm saying like if you're a rug project i don't i don't like you which is not an especially profound or insightful statement but like there's a ton out there and if you if you kind of watch the space closely enough and you check out enough twitters you're gonna find a whole bunch of them and my advice to anybody who doesn't know much about blockchain games is there's a couple things you should look for. Any game that's coming to market with less than 12 months of development um, and doesn't have like a, a, a blockchain or excuse me, a game developer who has made a successful game before, ooh, those are eyebrow raising moments for me. Or I'm like, I don't know if you can deliver on what you're promising. So at least 12 months of development and at least one developer who has made a successful game before. Um, 
for us, we're going to be closer to three years to development. Um, and that's about standard for a quote unquote triple A game. Yeah, that's some alpha. Cause I mean, like so many games in this space have just left everyone with a bad taste in their mouth, right? Like it, you hear NFT game or crypto game, you're like, what? Yeah, no thanks. Everyone's just like huge red flag. So uh, I think the fact that you guys have been building yeah, for so long now, I've just been seeing you on my timeline for at least uh, eight months from what I can remember. So yeah, keep up guys, excited to play. I'm not much of a gamer these days, but the girlfriend wants to kill me enough already playing with NFTs, let alone getting stuck into big time. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Clemente, you've got a question, dude. Yeah, and Matthew, I really appreciate that that perspective. Uh, one of the things in regards to timeline, I know you mentioned three years there, um, but just possibly in general with with just blockchain gaming, realistically speaking, and I know part of it is is dependent on where the market goes and when the narrative around NFTs in general shifts. But when you look at the, the time horizon going forward, when do you possibly see there being a game in general that? a large majority of web two or just traditional gamers gravitate towards, I don't know if a number I can have a number out there in terms of like daily users, but something that actually hits it in the mainstream that people don't even necessarily think about in terms of it being an NFT game or a blockchain game, but it's just something where you can own the assets that you're playing with. Um, do you have an idea of possibly the timeline of when realistically we could see that? Is it three years, five years, or maybe closer than, than that? You know, I, I, you're gonna start. You're gonna see a bunch of games come out in the next year into year and a half, and here's why: um, a bunch of games realized in 2020 that blockchain was gonna be the future, and a lot of them birthed themselves out of Silicon Valley, and they were like, "We need to start incorporating blockchain and building a new game." But it takes about two to three years at the fastest to make a AAA game. And that transition started in 2020. And as we get closer to that 2020 plus three timeline, you've heard more games get closer to market. Big Time was was one of them. I would argue that we're probably the first ones. You've heard of Star Atlas, Alluvium, um, Shrapnel, other big popular games that have incredible looking graphics that have also incorporated in blockchain. When I say three years, that's that's short. If you were at Epic or Rockstar, you're probably closer to five or six. And but they can do that because they're well-established companies. They have kind of these cash already coming in through the door. It's a lot harder for for startup games to do that because they don't have like a revenue stream already coming in. So they have to fundraise, get something to market relatively quickly and go on from there. But I think starting in the 2023 and beyond you're going to start seeing a lot of really good games coming out with blockchain and then it's just going to accelerate from there awesome thank you so much i am going to call it there on the questions matthew absolutely fantastic fascinating um for a guy like me who has got very little uh capacity uh or or if i'm honest or if i'm honest interest in gaming it's just not my thing the last two shows have actually been fantastic and uh i've learned a great deal about it, uh gaming as a use case and um i remain very very confident that this is where there will be huge progression in the web3 space um so i want to thank you very much for taking the time to spend with us today it's been really really fascinating speaking to you Thank you so much for having me on. 
no problem. This is a great audience, and there's been some some smart questions, um, and it's been good. Thank you. Great stuff. Thank you, Zerk. Thank you, sir. I look forward All to good. seeing you next week. Cheers, boss. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to it. I'm about to uh, dig into some big time. Uh, Clemente, thank you again, buddy. Yeah, th- thanks for the the talk, Matthew. This was, was really great. I, I appreciate the uh, the perspective and definitely pushing me outside of, of my usual usual boundaries of, of what I typically look at. So this is a great great conversation. Absolutely agree. Next week we have Hate Beast on Monday, and that's at a slightly earlier time of four PM in the UK, so an hour earlier. That is a massive one for me. I am really really looking forward to these guys. Like. Their intention essentially is to become a huge fashion brand. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward. Following all of that hype and all of that FUD, I'm really interested to see how that one goes. I'm really, really looking forward to meeting those guys. And then next Thursday, we've got uh, my friend Dude, who uh, the Dude, who has a great show. Uh, it's a show and a project coming up called uh, Rumblers. And I can't wait for you to see a little bit more about that. Um, Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morrow. Good evening. Brothers and sisters, take good care. Thank you.